welcome to the Luton Town Fans Podcast. Before we properly start, if you haven't heard this already, it will make you smile. The Baron Knights recorded Hatters Hatters, and we asked Pete Langford from the Baron Knights to record a little version last week, and this is what he sent back. This is for all you Luton Town fans, yeah. Hatters, Hatters, what a great team. They showed the others that we are the Thank you, Pete. You're a legend. So I'm Justin Dealey in the studio, and because of social distancing, we have Graham Everett, Darren Jones, and Dylan Bundia on the telephone. And it does seem strange talking about football with everything that's going on in the world at the moment. But Graham Jones has left by mutual consent. We're told in a statement this is for financial reasons. So let's get straight to the boys on this to get their thoughts on what's been going on. Graham, up first, what do you make of this? Um, I was shocked initially, to be honest, with the, you know, it came out of the blue. I don't think anybody expected that to occur. But then when you sit down and you think about it and actually think about what's, what we're doing moving forward, um, they're in a difficult situation, I think. They probably would have been on a lot of money, that, that coaching team. Um, I'm pretty sure they'd be on a, a fair old um, wave. So looking forward, we know what 2020 are like. They will look after that club and they will do what they need to do to make sure that that club survives. Mm at the end of, you know, the difficult situation we're in at the moment. Um, so from that point of view, I'm not that surprised, if that makes sense. Um, I think it's a cost-cutting exercise. I don't think we're in any trouble. Um, we don't know what the payouts are that, obviously, that, that um, management team have taken. It might yep. be that they've, you know, they have taken a very small amount to, to support the the football club through this. Um, I don't think we'll ever find out exactly what's gone on. No, but... and normally Gary Brabin, who's who's very media friendly, I did leave him a message earlier on about coming on the podcast tonight. He hasn't got back to me. I think you're right. I don't think we, we ever will find out. But long term, for the future of the club, you see this as, as a good move, clearly. I do. I think... It'd mean perhaps even more difficult, perhaps, if Luton were doing really, really well, you know, mm. in the top in the playoffs or, you know, were really punching above their weight in the championship. But the fact that it hasn't been brilliant all season, there have been issues, there have been problems. The not all fans are on Graham Jones's side. Um, you know my feelings on that. But, you know, I wish him all the best and all of that of the um, management team that have gone. But I do think 2020, thank God we have them because I do believe there will be clubs that go, but I do not believe that we are going to be one of them. Yeah, let's hope so. Darren, what do you make of this? Uh, well, just to let you know, Justin, before I go anywhere, I'm, I'm actually laying on my bed in a dressing gown after having a <laughs> lovely shower. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to let you know that because yeah. obviously with social distancing, we're not there in the studio. So no. I just wanted to picture the scene for you. It, it's theatre of the mind, sat in a radio studio, listening to you talking about the fact that you're on your bed in your dressing gown. It's, it's creating some images that I don't really want to think about. So what do you think of Graham Jones leaving? <laughs> What's your thoughts on that? So, to be fair, like, like what Graham's saying, I was really shocked. Um, I never expected it. I was, I've, I've got a WhatsApp group um, with some other Luton Town friends, and they, they literally like put it up there. And I was thinking, is it a wind up? And I checked the website, and obviously, um, it had happened. And it, yeah, you know, it, it is a shock. You know, it looked like he, uh, Graham Jones was turning things around. We'd hit an, a good bit of form. Um, you know, he's beating some teams that maybe you wouldn't expect us to beat away from home, and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, it, it was a big shock, and I, I actually feel for him because 
you know, if if you look at it, if, if we're being real on it, like Luton is the smallest club in that division. Mm. Um, and I'd say that was most probably the hardest job yeah. for anyone to take in that division, and especially mm. for someone who'd never been a manager before. Yeah. Um, so it was a tough job in the first place. Like All I can think of is maybe maybe with the management team, maybe there were some clauses in the contract that by May, which would have been the end of the first season, if they let go, they get paid X, Y and Z. I, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, just just really surprised about it. Um, you know, obviously, like what Graham's saying, I wish Graham Jones all the best. And Gary Brabin, who's most probably one of the nicest blokes I've ever met yeah, in top football, bloke. if I'm being honest. Yeah, you know, I really wish him all the best as well. And, you know, I hope that they go on to further their careers. And, and they, you know, for Graham Jones especially, I hope he does step up into management again and, and, and is successful. But... Yeah, it's just, it's really shocking and I'm just hoping, like, touch wood, and I'm, I'm literally touching my bedside table now, um, <laughs> that there's nothing wrong uh, behind the scenes at the club with money, um, you know, because this is such a bad time for Horrendous. It's a bad time for sport. It's a bad time for everyone, let's, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. And um, I just hope that, I hope and pray that there's nothing wrong behind the scenes. Um, Absolutely. The football team that we love at the end of the day. Dylan's here as well. Dylan, we've heard there from Darren and Graham. Everyone's in shock about this. And uh, I would only presume that, that when the news came through yesterday, and we are broadcasting this on Saturday, the 25th of April, when you found out about it yesterday, you, like all of us, were, were in shock. Yeah, I was. And I was in complete shock. But, I mean, when you sit back and think about it, it, it makes a lot of sense, really. Um, I don't think this had anything to do with results or where we were. I think Graham Jones did a good job, considering the circumstances. Um, and we started playing really well towards the end of the season. But I think what us as Luton fans, with football in a mess um, right now, I think what we as Luton fans can take away from all this and have trust in 2020, you know, those guys have the football club's best interests at heart and they will protect this football club football club every step of the way and they will do whatever it takes to make sure that we come out the under the other end of this as well as still a football club they so, they did say yesterday in the statement that they wouldn't be making any further comment you as a fan would you like them almost to come out and explain this decision a bit more or are you happy that they've made that statement they've made their decision and and you're quite happy with that would you like more or not i think as fans we always want more you know we want we always want to know everything about the inner workings of the club um, but I think as fans, we know that we can trust our directors and they will always act in the interest of the football club. So, of course, I think we'd all like to know more why and the ins and outs of the contract and everything. But I think we can trust them to protect our football club. OK, earlier on, I spoke to Jeff Doyle. He's the sports editor at BBC Three Counties Radio. And this is what happened. Jeff, you've been in touch with Gary Sweet, the chief exec of the club, throughout the lockdown. None of us saw this coming. Are you surprised by what's happened yourself? I'm a bit surprised, I must admit, because I hadn't seen it coming either. Um, and there had been no indication that this was going to happen. When I first spoke to Gary Sweet, probably a month ago, he was concerned, obviously, with cash flow. He was concerned mm. with finances. I think he just thought that Luton would be able to get through it and they might actually get through it a bit better than other clubs in the championship, just because because the wages that they pay is so low compared to some of the other teams in that division. Yeah. But I, I, I just think that clubs are beginning to realise that this could go on for a long time. And actually, when are they going to start playing in front of crowds? Now, there's talk of October. 
there's talk of the end of the year. And if that is the case, that is a serious lack of cash flow. If there's no money coming into the club from people coming into the ground. I mean, they've obviously opened up season ticket sales. Yeah. And they've got uh, close to 3,000. But I just wonder whether actually, as the month has passed by, and also remember, no deal has been done with the players as far as wage cuts are concerned. That is a lot of money, a lot of money, even though they are one of the uh, teams in the championship that probably pay the least amount of money. It's still a lot. I think their budget was, what, six million a year, mm. somewhere around there. It's about 500 grand a month. It's a lot of money, and April payroll is just around the corner. And this, of course, what was Graham Jones's first managerial position. How would you sum up his short time in charge at Luton? I think that this was going to be a job that was extremely difficult for whoever took it on. I can remember, even on that victory parade, when mm. Luton was celebrating going into the championship, and I was saying it to a lot of people before Graham had been announced, whoever gets the job as Luton manager is in for such a tough yeah. ride. Because Luton supporters have been used to success mm. for, well, two seasons in a row. Even before that, in you know they, they, were, they were a good club in the conference. They were always there or thereabouts at the top of the table. The fans are used to success um, and whoever was going to come in was going to be in the championship, have one of the lowest budgets in the division and it was always going to be a struggle, always going to be a struggle and I always thought if they finish above the relegation zone then that is a success. Yeah. Uh, I mean Graham Jones, he got off to a tricky start, the goalkeeping situation didn't help, Sluger made error after error early on, that put Luton in a poor position. And then from then onwards, he just never clicks with the supporters. And Justin, you know, and so do the other guys know, that for a manager of Luton Town, you've got to get on with the fans. Yeah. You have to get on with those supporters. Otherwise, you are struggling. And he didn't really acknowledge them that much. I mean, the, the debacle at Brentford was a joke. He didn't acknowledge them. They'd just been absolutely slaughtered. Yeah, and yeah. It, the fans, the fans. I can remember even to this day, they all hung around and clapped Luton off the pitch, and he just sort of wandered past them. That kind of summed him up a little bit. He he said afterwards he was just embarrassed, but even mm. so, you may be embarrassed. Yeah. you've got to acknowledge them. That wasn't good enough, and I'll apologise for that. Mm. And that was my fault. Yeah, 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 yeah. He very rarely blamed himself. Very rarely blamed himself in any of the defeats. Now, Jeff, as you know, I'm a big soul boy. I'm always banging on about Motown and how they were streets yeah. ahead. Now, this song was written back in 1971. Yeah, I tell you what, Jeff, that they were looking 41 hey. years ahead into the future, weren't they? It kind of leads on to this question. Nathan Jones, <laughs> right up there, one of the bookies' favourites. Is he going to come back? What do you think? I just can't see it. I mean, it actually adds up. Luton can't pay the wages of somebody who would be on a huge amount, which Graham yeah. Jones must have been on. Although Nathan Jones won't come cheaply either. He's just been at Stoke. So yeah, he but he's looking for a way back there. in, isn't he, after what happened he, at Stoke? He, he's looking for a way back in. Will the Luton board, who have been so critical of him <laughs> since he left, take him back? If they did, that is a massive U-turn because you've read the programme notes yeah, in, yeah. in the programme this year, like I've done, and he's taken a hammering from some of those directors. And I just think that he's hurt the club too much and it might just be a bit too early. Maybe five, ten years' time, perhaps, when there's a bit more water under the bridge. But perhaps just a bit too early now. I can't see... Gary Sweet is a great chief executive, but 
he is a Luton fan, mm. and that hurt him. As, as he, it hurt him as a chief executive. It hurt him as a supporter. I'm not sure he would go back to him now. I'm, I, I'm just not sure he would do it now. Maybe, maybe in the future, not now. We shall see what happens. You mentioned at the start about when we might see football again at Kenilworth Road. You've been talking to all sorts of people during mm. this lockdown. When do you think we might see football return, whether that's behind closed doors or not? Well, I mean, it's a certainty that it'll start behind closed doors. They are desperate to finish this season. That's from I've spoken to a lot of different chief executives from all of our different clubs, and every single one of them has said we need to finish this season just because of contracts, broadcasting contracts, sponsorship contracts, advertising contracts, player contracts. It almost just needs to get done as quickly as possible. It's going to depend on the lockdown when we come out of lockdown, Justin, isn't it? If uh, in what is it now? In two weeks' time. Mm. If the if the figures are still looking quite good and it looks like it's we've got hold of this uh, virus, then they might start thinking. Where does that get us to? That gets us to early May, beginning middle of May. I just wonder whether they might think, can we start it up again middle of June and get it done by the end of July this season behind closed doors? That that will rely on the figures being good and also the testing kits being there because they're going to have to test before every game, not just the players, yeah. but everybody who's in that ground uh, behind the scenes. Final question, Jeff. You as a commentator mm. um, clearly haven't been to any football recently no. and you've now started commentating on your children playing in the back <laughs> garden. It's got that bad, hasn't it? <laughs> it's got that bad, yeah. The thing is, there's been some great ones haven't there that some commentators Nick Heath has done a great job just sort of commentating on life in general I, I think people have watched the one where people are crossing the road and he's commentating on that mm. uh, and one or two others have been commentating on their pets and things so I kind of missed the boat early on but yeah I tried I had a go with the kids but it didn't quite work out it didn't quite work <laughs> out uh, but yeah I mean it actually has been fascinating chatting to all of our different clubs and hearing what they've been saying uh, and how they're trying to deal with this situation because it is a nightmare I know. and well, I mean we touched on it a bit Luton must at some point tell everybody what's going to happen with those players and those wages can they defer them can they cut them can they furlough them if they could furlough the, the players wage it, the players Luton that would save them thousands mm, and thousands mm. other clubs have done it other clubs have done it I think Luton would want to do it as well but nothing happened so far Jeff I miss you brother and uh, I'll speak I to you very you. soon take care mate see yes, you later stay safe see you soon mate see you later Jess. so Graham in that interview there with Jeff Dahl earlier on the sports editor at BBC Three Counties Radio he was talking about Nathan Jones he can't see him returning he's on that list one of the bookies favourites you as a fan would you have him back no no and no <laughs> no no. Even though he did a fantastic job when he was there, and a lot of those players are the players that he signed as well. Even though you know that, you're still saying no. No, I need a manager at my football club that I can trust. The way that he went about it is just... I can't I can't forgive that. I'm sorry, I really can't. Can you trust any uh, football manager, though? No, probably not. I, I Probably not, but I think it was just... Some of the things that he did at that time, the way that he went about it, and the fact that he didn't have to put... You know, when he got the manager of the month award, put a Stoke jumper on. That's what did it for me, and I can't, I can't forgive that. And for no. that, I don't want him back at my club. No, when he did that, that hurt me as well. Darren, would you have Nathan Jones back? You know what, Justin? I'm, go I'm going to give one of those answers where I'm not going to give a yes, or I'm going to give a no. Yes right? or no? Do you want Nathan Jones back? What I'm going to say to you is this: If 2020 appoint him, I trust him. We're not talking and about them. We're saying. talking about you as a fan. Would you have him back? Right. Well, the positive of getting him back, if we did get him back, is, as you've said, the player, the vast majority of the players there are his players. He knows how to get the best out of them. 
So that would be a positive. The negative is how he left on the, the time before, um, like what Graham was saying yep. there about wearing the, the soak top. That are negatives. But if he did come in and he turned it around, you know, it could be a good thing. But I'm on the fence, Justin. Darren, you're turning into really a politician. Would you want Nathan Jones back at your football club? You as a fan, would you like to see him back? Oh. Because somebody will come in as a manager at some point. Would you like to see him come back? He's out of work at the moment. Uh, oh, you know what? He's done an awful job at Stoke, but a great job with us. <laughs> so, you know what? Um, <laughs> can, I flick a, can I, honestly... Let me flick a coin. Let me flick a coin <laughs> for entertainment purposes. Go on, go on, right? flick because the coin. It's a difficult one, right? So, so heads for yes, tails for no. Go I'm going to flick the coin. I flicked it up now. It's landed on me. Beautiful Star Wars dress again. It, it, it's gone on the tails. It's a no. It's a no from me. It's, it's a no, coin. as the coin says. And Dylan, Nathan Jones, uh, a lot of fans are right in the middle about this because of the points that we've already mentioned. Would you have him back? Would you want to see him back as manager? Not a chance. Um, when someone shows such a lack of trust, and I agree with you, Justin, you can't mm. trust football managers because mm. they have careers and they want to further their yeah. careers, but you can still act with integrity. I mean, you look at Graham Jones when he was approached by us when he was at West Brom. He said, no, I'm going to stay till the end of the season because I've made a commitment to West mm. Brom and Darren Moore. Yeah. I'm not going to leave. And even when he was, he left West Brom, he said, no, I'm not going to come in. Mick Harford, you carry on, yeah. get promoted. I'm not going to take any of the glory. So you can't trust football managers in general because they have careers, but when someone acts with such a lack of integrity and a lack of respect towards our football club, no way. Very interesting. Three no's. Uh, so to end this podcast, we are going to pick our favourite Luton spine, made up from the teams that we've seen down the years. Uh, we're all quite young on this podcast, so we need some experience. We need a fossil. Alan Adair is with us. Hi, Alan. Good evening, chaps. The how dinosaur are... is here. <laughs> how are you, Alan? How, how are you coping with lockdown? Ah, it's all right. I, I'm, I'm getting used to it, to be quite honest with you. So, uh, we're now going to pick our favourite Luton spine. Goalkeeper, central defender, central midfield and striker. And we can debate this as well. So, so Graham, you've gone first on... Is that a dog? Hold on, I've got my dog out. <laughs> <laughs> What's your dog's name? Clyde. Hello, Clyde. In the river. Clyde, welcome to the Luton Town Fans Podcast. He clearly <laughs> wants to get involved. Um, so yeah, Graham, he's gone now. Graham, we're going to start with you. Uh, and this, of course, must be from the teams that you've seen yourself in action. Your goalkeeper. Right. Who are you going to go with? Jake Finley. He was the first goalkeeper that I really, um, you know, when we became a season ticket holder, that I sort of... Um, saw and he was really underrated I think and he should have played more for Scotland and um, he was a very dominant keeper who really organised the, the back, back four that he had in front of him and he, he was obviously the first keeper that I really sort of took to to be perfectly honest Good choice, Same we'll take it. Darren, you? I am going to go with, before he had his shoulder injury, Ian Foyer. Oh wow, what a goalkeeper he was. He was great, he? Loved the guy. Fantastic, great character as well. I'm going to go with Les Seeley because Les is yeah, the man who, who taught me how to swear, uh, but also <laughs> uh, right at the end of his career at Luton, I thought he was very harshly dealt with. He's, his last game was in the Littlewoods Cup final. Then, of course, he went to Manchester United. Fantastic goalkeeper. Dylan, you? I went with Christian Walton. Christian Walton. I mean, how many years have you been watching the club for, Dylan? Oh, my first season properly was uh, the year we went down from League Two, so 11 right. years. So 11 years, yeah. W Walton was, I, I was, I must admit, I was disappointed that we didn't sign him. I must admit, yeah. I was. He was a yeah. fantastic goalkeeper. OK, we'll take that. And Alan, the dinosaur, who are you going to go with? 
I'm with Graham, Jake Finley. Hey. <laughs> so we have Jake a match. Jake Finley's my all-time favourite keeper um, in the 53-plus years I've been going. Wow. Uh, a very, very close second would be Elastic, Melia Alexic, rest in peace. There's some yeah. great keepers that have played for the club down the year. So we now we move on to central defence. Right. Um, Alan, we'll start with you on this one. Who are you going to go with? Mal Donaghy. You see, I- I'm so torn on this between Mal Donaghy and Steve Foster. Why have you gone for Mal well. Donaghy? I was exactly the same. Mm. As a centre-half, I would probably go for Steve Foster. Yep. But Mal Donaghy deserves to be in there because, well, he's our record international cap. Mm. 488 appearances, most of them, well, all of them in the top two divisions. So I think he was Mal a Donaghy. better. I think he was a better player than Steve Foster. But I'm going to so go with I, Steve Foster. Was a cap, Fozzie was the, a, a better captain. I'm going to go with Fozzie myself only because when I was a kid watching that central defender with that headband, so iconic for me, and he lifted the yeah. cup as well. So I'm going to go with Fozzie, but but it is a real tough call between those two. Dylan, who are you going to go with? Oh, it's a toss-up between Matty Pearson and McNulty for me. Oh, I'd probably go for, just for the influence they had on the team, McNulty. I got a phone call last week from somebody who works at BT Sport, and they said, what would you have to say about Steve McNulty? And I said, if ever he turned up in Luton, he would never, ever have to buy a drink. That's the kind of impact that he's had on us. And Darren, who are you going to go with? Central Defence. See, when I started going, it was around about sort of the 94-95 time. So I was thinking to start with as a goal-scoring defender, you know, I did like Steve Davis as a, as a defender. But yeah. to be fair, I've got to go with Dylan on it because I think that during that dark period, we signed Steve McNulty. Most probably when you look at him, you'd look at him and think, how on earth is this guy a professional football yep, player? Yep. But I'll never forget that day lined up against us for Fleetwood. He was 28 or 27 or 28. He looked like he was about 47 and he literally just wiped the floor of us. And then the moment we signed him, I thought, that's it, we're going up. And we went up, and there he was our captain. But it, it was just the way he was on the ball. He was so relaxed. He was such a leader. Mm. And I, I think, not to say, he, he, was, he was an inspiration to a lot of those players that played yeah. in front of him. Uh, and, and you speak to you anybody know. that's played against McNulty, and they will all tell you what a quality defender he is. It's good sometimes yeah. that fans look on the pitch and they think, oh, what's he doing out there? Because it kind of gives a... a a false impression of, of what he's actually like as a professional footballer and he's top draw mm. all the way for me. Absolutely amazing amazing defender and like as I say you know he's, he's one of those players when you look at it on that promotion season yet Ronnie Henry captained us but if you ask me Steve McNulty was our leader. And lastly Graham. Well I'm really stuck between two. I've got the Aussie bully Chris Coyne and one for Alan, I think, Mike, uh, Mike Saxby. Ooh, Mike Saxby or Chris Coyne. Come on, you've got to choose one. I'm going to go for Mike Saxby because I really, really appreciated that that promotion team um, in 81 and 82. And um, he had great hair as well, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's in there because he was a great defender and he had great hair. Central midfield. Graham, we'll start with you on this one. Who is your ultimate central midfield player out of the teams that you have seen play? Who are you going to go for? It can only be one. It can only be Ricky Hill, can't it? Ricky Hill. Just a man mountain in there. So much energy, physical, put in a tackle. Should have played for England a lot more than he did. Yeah. So skillful um, and just a lovely, lovely bloke. See, I was looking at this, and you might be a little bit surprised by this, but I had Ricky Hill, David Priest, and Kevin Nichols on the list. Yeah, I've got Nichols on my list as well. And I'm going to go. Difficult. I'm going to go with Kevin Nichols, and I'll explain why. Because Kevin Nichols 
was the captain of the side that got us out of, of the old Division 4 when Joe Kinnear was in charge. And that was one of my favourite seasons ever. Uh, he was also the captain when we went back into the championship and he was the captain when we won the Johnston's Paint Trophy. And for me, uh, an amazing leader uh, of men on the pitch. I'm going to go with Nico. Darren, what about you? Um, I'm going to go with this player. He gave us one of the best moments that we'll never forget. Um, fantastic play. He wasn't with us long and his name was Landre Sahana Oni. Oh, I wondered. <laughs> I wondered when Landre Sahana Oni was going to come up. What a legend. No, no, to be fair, I'm joking. What a god-awful player. And, um, <laughs> how, and how on earth he, he made it for five minutes as a professional, um, I will never, he, never it, know. It was away I, at Northampton, last minute. He comes on a sub. He's through. One-on-one on one against the goalkeeper. Go on, Landre. Go on. And he misses. And that was the end oh, of his loop. Career. Yeah, Northampton away. Um, but no, to be fair, it was a toss-up for me out of um, out of two out of two midfield players. First of all, it's Kevin Nichols. Yeah. But then when I started supporting Luton, there was a player that really stuck out for me because he could score goals. But he was he's mean as well. He had that sort of Kevin Nichols sort of side to him, and that was Kerry Hughes. Oh, and I Kerry. absolutely loved watching him play. I loved how he sort of like would win the ball back. He was he was a bit dirty as well. Yes. Um, but you know, and he had a great shot on him, and he was one player that I. I really love to watch. So you know what? Kevin Nichols would definitely be up there for me, but I'm going to go with Kerry Hughes. And Dylan, where, where do you stand on this one? Oh, for me, it's Pelly. I mean, Pelly for me, obviously, going from the conference to championship yep. stands out, but I'm going to have to go with Glenn Ray. I just think his influence on, on the team in the last two and a half, three years is second to none. And Pelly's had lots of dips, but he's, he's been outstanding the last two seasons. But I just think Glenn Ray's just a brilliant footballer. I think anybody who understands football properly knows just what a fantastic player Glenn Ray is. And I think he will go on to play in the Premier League at some point as well. A top pro. And Alan, you're the last one on this. Your central midfielder, please. Well, I wrote all these down before coming on here. Uh, and again, I've got to go with Graham and pick God. Ricky Hill. Yeah, 508 appearances, all in the top flight and the second tier. And our first England international since the 50s, since Ron Bainham. And I was there in Copenhagen to see his England debut. Oh, wow. And his Wembley debut against West Germany. It, it must have been so special because us fans that, that are kind of coming through in recent years haven't really had that. I know James Collins is playing for Republic of Ireland, but to see somebody like Ricky Hill, your hero at the club, playing for England, and to be there in Copenhagen, that must have been amazing yeah. for you. Very emotional, I'd have thought. Very. But the thing is, is we had so many top-class players back in those days, mm. you almost took it for granted, Yeah, Justin. It, it really was, you know... The norm, Paul mm. Walsh, Brian Steen. Brian Steen, the best finisher of the club I've seen. Yeah. But I'm, I'm I'm afraid that when it comes to the forward, I can't pick him, but we'll go on. Well, Carry on. Yes, we are now going to go on to striker. Uh, and I would have thought that, that most of us would be saying the same thing. Alan, we are picking our favourite Luton Spine from the teams that we have seen play. Who is going to yeah. be your striker? There's so many to choose from. I'd love to have Brian Steen, but for purely personal reasons, I'm going for Malcolm McDonald. See, I thought you were going to go with Mick Harford. No, I'd go with Brian Steen before Mick Harford. Really? And to be quite honest with you, um, Big Mick is a legend, of course. And yeah. He's brilliant. Again, we're spoiled for choice with the amount we got to pick. 
I'd love to pick Mossy, but you said forward and Mossy mm. was a winger. Yeah, coming in from... And I'm sure you're aware that Mossy has even scored two more goals than Big Nick. <laughs> 94, Mag- a winger. Magnificent Tash as well. It's interesting about McDonald because, you know, my love affair of Luton Town started with my granddad. That was passed on to my dad and then me. And my granddad, when he was alive, always used to talk about Malcolm McDonald because, you know, he was Incredible. a player that came in for next to nothing who played... Seven. Seventeen and a half grand played at the back, transformed into a striker who then goes on to to be absolutely I was even amazing. At the game where Alex Stock converted him from a left back yep. to a centre forward, Italy under twenty one friendly. We Were beat him three two. Did he yeah. score? Was it five but, in a game for England once? Was it five or four that he scored for England? Cyprus. Cyprus. He scored five against Cyprus and then yeah. was dropped <laughs> by Don Revy. Don Revy hated him. The, the harsh days and of against football. West Germany as well. I've, I've interviewed him recently. I say recently, it's about two or three years ago when we played Newcastle away in the FA Cup. And the great thing about him is he's not one of these players that went to Luton, then went to Newcastle and kind of forgets the clubs that he played for. He's got such affection for Luton Town even now, which is lovely, isn't it? I don't know if you've read his autobiography, Justin, but he's got a chapter of his career at Luton. And mm. he said that it was his favourite part of his career was his two years at Luton Town. That is so, so nice. Graham, again, you're a bit old school because uh, you've been around for longer than Dylan and Darren on this. Who are you going to go for? Your striker. Oh, God, I'm with Alan. I mean, I didn't see Malcolm McDonald. I wish I had a done, but he's right with Steen. You've got Paul Walter in there, Mick Harford, who was really my idol. But I've picked someone that some of my friends won't be surprised. Some people are going to be shouting at this podcast when I announce this, but there's a big reason behind this, and that is Steve Howard. I had a feeling you was going to say that, honestly. I had a feeling you were, sorry to keep interrupting, but I had a feeling you was going to go for Steve Howard. Not many players have scored over 100 goals for Luton in this era. Would you know what what makes his story so remarkable? Who remembers York away when there was that whole debacle about that penalty? I'll never forget it. (laughs) And I I thought to myself, after this game, Mick Carver's going to take him into the car park and beat the absolute crap out of him, and we will never hear about Steve Howard ever again. But he completely (laughs) turned his career around off the back of that game. It it, it completely turned everything. Yeah, I think it made him, to be Mm. honest. And that's the reason I picked him, because when he came from Northampton for £50,000, he couldn't hit a barn door. He was awful. He he was awful, really awful. And we thought, what on earth have we done here? Yeah. Um, Yeah, and then the transformation. He's the most improved player that I've seen in a Luton shirt. Mm. From when he first signed to when he left and where he went on to. um, Absolute legend as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, legend, Um, legend at Derby as well. Uh, People just absolutely love him. But he's one of those players that would always give 100%. Um, Good choice, that one. Dylan? There was one other thing, Justin. Mm. He was the only player that made sure he got his suspensions at Christmas so he could go to Florida. (laughs) Very clever player as well. Okay, Dylan, who are you going to go for, sir? Collins. um, Best striker by a million miles that I've seen. Andre Gray, not far behind, but just because the way Collins has scored in League Two, scored in League One and scored in the Championship, his work rate, everything about him, he is... Yeah, he's miles ahead, miles ahead. He's a bit like Steve Howard in, in terms of, of his strength. He, when you watch the games, defenders just hate playing against him because he's, he's got that strength. And also, he's, he's got the effort as well. There, there is a player, as a fan, you want to see your team giving everything. And James Collins is, is one of those players, I think. Yeah, 100%. And some of the you know the jobs that he does with... You know, try, you, so often you see him tracking back into his own penalty area to defend, and that's our talisman centre forward doing that. 
he's amazing. He's amazing. Mine, by the way, is Mick Harford because when I was a kid growing up, Mick Harford was my absolute hero. Posters on the wall, fantastic striker. Absolutely loved the way that he pushed people around. Very skillful player as well. Uh, great in the air, but also doesn't get the credit, I think, because he was a very, very skillful player. You ask any defender who has played against Mick Harford, and they will know they've had a right time of it. So for me, it's Big Mick. You, Darren, who are you going to go for? Well, I tell, before I tell you, I'm going to let, let you tell you a story about Malcolm McDonald. Now, I don't know if this is 100% true, but this is a story that I heard um, about before he went, well, basically about when he came to Luton, is that Eric Morecambe used to go around the dressing room before the start of every season and point at a player and tell him how many goals he'll score. And apparently he pointed at Malcolm McDonald and he said, you're going to get 40 goals. And he went, how can I? I'm a centre-half. And he went, no, not now. You're a centre-forward. <laughs> and and that, is, that is apparently a true story. I'm not wow. making that up. I wanted to put that out there. All right? Now, when I started watching Luton, the striker that I loved, and he's not going to be the guy I picked, uh, I'll pick because he wasn't all-in-all great striker. was super Dwight Marshall. Yeah, not I love Dwight. a great player. Yeah, he was an absolutely fantastic player. And then, you know, when you go through the years, we, we, you know, we, we, we've had some good strikers. You know, more than likely, I most probably would have gone with, like, Andre Gray just because of what he'd done mm. uh, the season in the conference. But, you know, he... he <laughs> Anyone that goes over the road, you know, I'm sorry, you know, that, that, that's, that's uh, you know, I'll always be thankful for what he's done. I'll, yeah. you know, I will never look back on him and go, you know, like what a lot of people did. He's a dirty, filthy traitor, scumbag. I'm sorry, yeah. but if you're off 100 grand a week yeah. uh, to go to a rival, you're going to take it. Yeah, it's but, you know, I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, but Agent Andre's getting and relegated, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But no, you know what? I'm, I'm totally going with Graham with this one. Is Stevie Howard for me? That the mm. seasons that we had him from League Two all the way up to the Championship. You know, he, he was just an amazing striker. He could hit it from, you know, he could hit it from long range. Um, he could he could do tap ins in the box. He was your plan A, your plan B, your plan C, and your and your plan B. You know, he literally was everything. Whether you wanted to go long ball to the floor anything, he could do it. And not just that, I love his attitude as well, just for the fact is that when we went through um, an injury crisis, we had no centre-halves. He played about five, six games at centre-half and he was still scoring goals. And, um, and, and he was actually captain during that point as well for standing in. And, um, you know, what a great professional, what a great player. And, um, and not just that, what a great story about what he's achieved since he's left Luton. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he went to Derby, scored a goal in the Premiership against Man United. He goes to Leicester, does well for them. Now, now we look at him, he's got a portfolio of over 400 houses. He's a multi-millionaire and he's done it all through being sensible. And, you know, if you ask me, he's a model professional that a lot of people, they, they should be looking up to him to be like. Great stuff. Gents, thank you very much. Um, oh, one final question, very quickly on this. Graham, first of all, what do you miss the most about Kenilworth Road? The night games. The night games. Darren, what do you miss the most? Everything. Literally everything. I, I can't even explain it. The place is like a second home. I just miss everything about a match day. The whole the whole shebang, from walking in to leaving. I missed a lot. I miss the smell of wee-wee. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that smell of wee-wee. I thought uh, you were going to say beach bath. No. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I miss the sofas as well, uh, down uh, down the alleyways. Alan, what do you miss the most about Kenilworth Road? A pint for Guinness in the Bobbers Club. Yeah, it will come back. And Dylan, lastly, it's on you. What do you miss the most about Kenilworth Road? Just everything about a match day. Mm. The tension, the excitement, the atmosphere, the people. Just miss it so much. It will come back. Gents, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for listening to the Luton Town Fans Podcast. And everybody, stay safe. And we'll catch you at some point in the near future. Thank you.